awesome, y'all. If we got to hang out together this weekend, I need y'all to make some noise right now. Come on, come on. Let's go. I need to, I need to say it's actually rare to like for like a young adult camp to be happening, and I love that. It, it's, it's, it's something we need to get back to because it gives our teenagers something to aspire to. We need more things that are high school age guys are like, dang, I can't wait till I can go to that. You know, we need more of that. We need more of that. You know what I mean? So Pastor Mark and Nina, thank y'all for sowing into the next generation. Come on, make some noise for these guys. We love y'all. So there was, there was one young, young dude I, li- I met outside, like just like in the cafe area. And he was like, are you going to rap tonight? I was like, are you going to change the flipping world and make sure you, everybody gets saved? Where is, it? Where, where is that kid? Where is that kid? Where, that, was, that was you? That was you? What, what's your name, bro? What's your name? Well, huh? Ephraim, challenge accepted. Okay? Challenge accepted. Holy Spirit. I speak over Ephraim's life right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're going to use the wild ones. You're going to use the sons. You're going to use the ones that some people worry about. They're like, oh, man, he's a little crazy. He's a little passionate. He's a little excited. But I declare in Jesus' name that he's going to be a light bringer, an influencer, a world changer. We declare, God, that you have positioned him to be truth in a world that wants to act like truth doesn't exist. Give him divine opportunities and moments to be a light and influence and to share his story and to see the glory of God show up and shut it down everywhere he goes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ephraim, no pressure, but legit the whole church just prayed for you, okay? So you gotta change the world now. But I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain first. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain so here's what I need. I need I need 10 crazy young people that hung out with me this weekend. Just come on. You know what we're about to do. Greg, grab some out of your pocket right now and just come forward right here. Come forward. Yeah, just, just, just no, no, don't hold, no, don't. You, you, you get to stand up here. Turn around. Turn around. That's right. Come forward. Turn around. There you go. There you go. There you go. So listen, I need, I need, I need you to drop me, drop me a juicy little something. You know what I'm saying? Give me a little beat. You know what I'm saying? Keith, let me see what you got. What you got for me? What you got? Oh. Hey, yeah, yeah, there we go, there we go. Yeah, speed it up a little bit, speed it up a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I like that. Turn my mic up in the monitors right quick. Here we go, do it. Yo, listen. I'm listening for the call. Naval, I need your phone. God, you know it's all. It's how I'm going. Look, I'm feeling bad to the bone. And look, a shout out to Eve. Touch the apple. It's the phone. And now I'm holding it down. You know I get it, bruh. Lips kind of trap. I'ma need a little that Nivea. You know how I do it, see? Blowing like the breeze. I'm so glad Jesus went to hell and then he got the keys. He took death, hell, and the grave. Now I know I'm slave. I'm feeling brand new. Look, my life is not a slave. And this is how we do with the appointing. And I pray God give that new mantle double portion anointing. Oh. And now we take a trip. 
If you get a girlfriend tonight, please use this for your lips. You know I'm playing right now. You know it's for the fodder. But look, he's not just cracking on it. He's got living water. Yeah, that's how we do it now. You know it's what I call it? And how you gonna take her shopping if you ain't got no wallet? You know what I'm saying right now? Look, you know, look, it's funny. But right now, I see it. Ooh, look, hold on. I need this yummy. You know we do it, and we take it to the back. Can I borrow these? Because after the service, look, I'm gonna need a snack. It's okay, though. Let me get right back to the issue. If you feel the anointing, then look, I got a whole pack of tissues. And that is how I'm doing. LA is where I'm from. Ladies and gentlemen, yo, that's my name is Blake Young. Let's go. <laughs> thank y'all. Thank y'all. Ephraim, I held up my end. I held up my end. So now it's time you hold up yours. But now that's, now that's, that's the fun part. But now, okay, let's, let's do the, let, let's, let's do the thing that we did the other night. Because here's the next phase of this. See, for I love what God has done with hip hop. And for years, to the glory of God, the pocket game was this fun thing as an entertaining party trick that opened up the hearts and minds of young people all over this nation. So we could introduce them to the love of God, get them to youth alive events, and God's glory be shown. And that's fun. God is not just wanting to see hip-hop used as entertainment. See, everything we do can be worship unto God. So let's let his spirit breathe for a minute right now. Yeah, 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 masataka, yadabosota. Yeah, 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 Coming back to life. God, we thank you. You were the sacrifice. You want to bring some spirits back to life. We was lost, but now tonight we acting right. We say amen. Because this is the night young people begin again. I'm so glad that you became a friend again. I was staring at the darkness at my end again. Holy Spirit, I pray you open up every single heart so tonight that they can hear it. God, give us vision. Tonight is the moment of precision. The gift is freely given. This is the moment that we begin its living. And it's apparent that tonight is a revival for sons, daughters, and their parents. And now we're sharing. His heart is caring. But never fall back just because you stand for truth and the world calls you a Karen. It's all love. This is the grace from God above. And now we're sons and daughters at the altar just to show the world there's still a drink of living water. So Holy Spirit, bring us back to life. You are the grace and perfect sacrifice. Because I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. And God, you brought me back to life. Holy Spirit, bring us back to life. I'm so glad you are the sacrifice. 
Cause I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. You are the perfect sacrifice. It's time to break new ground. It's time to emerge into a new sound. It's time to go to new cities and new towns because we need more people to find this love around. So now it's time to light the spark. I declare new life over Nina and Pastor Mark. See, from the light, you know it was dark. But this is not a walk in the park. Thick skin, soft heart. Begin again. It's time to take a new part. It's time for thick skin, but soft hearts. Begin again. Take a new part. It's not a requirement, but some of y'all about to step out of retirement because you sat in the room in the back and you wonder to yourself where the fire went. It's not a requirement, but some of y'all about to step out of retirement because you've been complacent, sitting around just wondering where the fire went. Fresh fire requires sacrifice. Present your bodies on the altar, holy and pleasing. That's the way that you get back to life. Some of us have been on preservation with all our concerns and reservations spectating and backseat driving, wondering why God's not moving and alive. And it's time to begin again. It's time for you to remember that you was once a friend. It's time to remember that you once were lost. It's time to remind yourself that, yeah, he paid the cost. So remind yourself that once upon a time you had to find yourself. Remind yourself of the power and the truth because once upon a time we were lost youth. So bring us back to life. We're so grateful you were the sacrifice. I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. And God, you brought me back to life. Holy Spirit, bring us back to life. You are the perfect sacrifice. I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. God, you brought me back to life. Just praise God. If you know he brought you back to life. I said, come on and praise God. If you know he brought you back to life. I said, come on and praise God. If you know he brought you back to life. I said, come on and praise God. If you know he brought you back to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Surprise, surprise. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Surprise, surprise, surprise. He confounds the wise. Tonight we make the devil sick. Who would have known we could bring fire and glory with something that was a party trick? Surprise, surprise. Open up your eyes. Why have you put God in a box? Surprise, surprise. It's time for you to open up your eyes. Why can't he use you? 
Why in this moment do you look surprised? You were born and created and made a true thing, so why can't he do a new thing? You are not disqualified. You've just given him something to work with to get glory from your story, yeah. Surprise, surprise. The foolish things can't confound the wise. I hope you're ready to tell a new story to give him glory. Are you ready to tell a new story just to give him glory? Are you ready to tell a new story just so we can give him glory? Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you are so kind. And that tonight, we get to honor you. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. But here's the key. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, if you want to defeat the enemy, you can't love yourself so much. You can't be afraid to die. He has provided the blood of the lamb, but he needs the partnership of the word of our testimony. So if Satan can do nothing about the blood that was provided because Jesus already has done that part. The only thing he can do is stop your testimony. See, this house is about to move into a new season of evangelism and breaking and taking ground. You can't call yourself a merged church and not be ready to emerge into new spaces, into new places, into new realms of influence. You can't. This is the night that we emerge as you share a story that's never been heard. This is when we defeat the devil with the power of our word. Ephraim, this is all your fault, bro. I'm just, you may be seated right now. I'm so grateful that I got my so my dearest friends, my besties, Ben and Sabrina, I love y'all. And um, tonight, if, like, if I was going to die in 40 minutes and I could do one last speech, this would be the one tonight. This is what I want to release over this house as we step into a new season of evangelism, but you gotta remember you are it. You're the answer. If you didn't know, I'm just gonna tell you now, you're, you're, you are the altar call. <laughs> Let me explain. In Kingdom City, our mission, our statement is to connect, equip, and empower you to bring the reality of God to your world. And so, 
in thinking about that, the question was this, well, how are you gonna bring the reality of God to your world if you're afraid to show the world the reality of who God is? Like, me bringing the reality of God to my world is me showing my world the reality of what God has done in my life. That's how this thing makes sense. And so I wanna read a story from scripture that bothers me because sadly, it's become some of our norms. And tonight it's about to change and we're gonna break a new wave of evangelism open in this house in the name of Jesus. Luke chapter, yeah, and y'all might as well just stay with me. Y'all, y'all good? Just get just keys, just get your legs ready. Just, 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 just get it, because you never know what God might do. Just, let's just have some fun. Can we have some fun tonight? Let's go, let's go. I love it, I love it. Check it out. Hey, you, you, come here. Come on, you know I love you. Look at God's about to do some things. Come on. I love you. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now for a new sound, a new authority in the name of Jesus. God, I release a double portion in Jesus' name. Fire in his belly, in his spirit, God. We release it right now in Jesus' name. Fire to come out, God. Put a hot coal on his lips and burn up everything that is not you, Lord. You released messengers. You have released psalmists, God. You've released new sounds, God. Psalms 33.3, we play skillfully and we shout for joy and we sing a new song unto the Lord, God. Greater things will you do. Greater works will you do. Greater sounds will you make. Greater songs will be released. We thank you, God, for the unconventional, for the unruly, for the wild ones who have been on the back of a hill looking after sheep, making songs unto the Lord, wondering if anybody will ever hear but we thank you for the season of lions tigers and bears and now it's time for the world to say oh my as they see the glory of God that is released we thank you God for what you are doing in the sons and the daughters of this house we thank you for it in Jesus name we thank you God we thank you God love you man I'm proud of you look at God I'm going to get to the word, I promise. Luke chapter 17. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one village, 10 men approached. Remember, everyone say 10 men. But they kept their distance, for they were lepers. They shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master, would you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. That's a word for someone here in this room. You've come up to the altar many times asking God for a healing and a breakthrough. Someone specifically in this room, but I need to let you in on something. Your healing may not happen here, for, for someone specifically in this room, your healing's gonna happen in discipleship. See, the healing began when they went to be examined. We, too have, we have too many people that want a miracle, but they don't wanna be examined by anybody. 
We need sons and daughters in this house to chase mothers and fathers once again. Because the miracle happens sometimes on the journey of allowing yourself to be examined. How do you get examined? You get discipled. You get connected. You get plugged in. You allow someone to know you enough to tell you your stuff stinks. You allow someone to get into your world enough. And some of us, you, you love the church. You love the sound. You love the worship. You come. You're faithful. But no one's examined you yet. You're still the master of your own ship and your own destiny, and yet the healing you need is gonna happen when the examination begins. That's a word for somebody. Go be examined by the Jewish priest. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. One of them though, a Samaritan, everyone say Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. So where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God except you, a foreigner from Samaria? Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. Catch this. You can get a healing but still miss out on salvation and wholeness. 10 got healed but only one got healed, saved, and whole. And God wants to do a full work tonight. See, why did only one come back? It's because he was a Samaritan. Which means by default, we know that the other nine were who? They were Jews from Israel. Why would nine Jews from Israel not come back to thank Jesus for healing them from leprosy. Because Jews were too ashamed to publicly admit once they were healed that they once had been sick. Shame, fear of perception. If they really knew what I've been through, they wouldn't accept me. Jews were masters at packaging. And so for them, the moment they realize, oh my God, the, the leprosy's gone. Now I can just fade into the shadows and act like nothing ever happened. But a Samaritan, having leprosy and being a Samaritan back then were sort of the same thing. And more I feel this morning, we learned in Hebrew culture, the most insulting thing one Jew could say to another was to call someone a demon-possessed Samaritan. There were cuss words, your mama jokes, 
demon-possessed Samaritan, the worst thing you could be called. So imagine if your existence is shameful to most. What's the harm in saying, hey, thanks, Jesus, for healing me from leprosy? See, we've got to get back to that kind of humility. That's what tonight's about. Is there's too many people in this room that have been healed. But the full work is being saved and whole when you begin to be open about what God has done in your life. See, this isn't just a thing that only affects the external world. I need you to realize the greatest thing evangelism does is it doesn't work in you. 10 got healed. One got healed, saved, and whole. And because God is a God of sowing and reaping, when you begin to sow the fullness into this world of being open with what God has done in your life. It will do more for you in this room while it also changes and heals our world. See, tonight my message is called Perfectly Scarred. And you know, we live in a world where scars are looked at as damage, ugly reminders of failure, their mistakes, their accidents. You know, like it's a billion dollar industry covering up scars, cosmetic treatments, everything, creams and lasers and treatments. Why? Because we want to get rid of scars like no one else. Like, you know, this is the thing. It's like, oh, it's a scar. That's us. But here's what I love about scars. From a medical perspective, scars are simply healing that has left a mark. Look, look, look at this definition here. If Put that up for me. Here's the definition I want Emerge Church to see. A scar is healing that has left a mark, resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. Isn't it like my God that a bone would break and once it's reset, the calcium would form, making the once damaged area even thicker and stronger than it was before. That is the power of my God. See, sometimes we've been so afraid of what we look at as a weak point when it might just be the strongest thing on you. The greatest gospel you'll ever share will be the gospel according to you. The gospel according to what Jesus has done in your life. Revelation 12, 11, as I said, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. 10 men got healed, only one came back because only one didn't love his life so much. Nine others were so afraid and so concerned about their perception, they wouldn't even come back to the guy that healed them. They wanted to fade into the crowd and act like nothing had ever happened. And so what do we do in the body of Christ? We treat scars two different ways. We A, try to cover them up, or we try to exaggerate them. We act like they didn't happen, or you know that scar on your leg was just you being dumb on a bicycle, but by the time you tell it to your buddies, you got shot by Tupac, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what ha happened. And sometimes we embellish stuff. 
because surely what happened isn't good enough. That's another part of shame as well. Either some people are afraid of their testimony because if like, they're like, oh my God, if people really know what God did for me, they wouldn't look at me the same. And some of you have the audacity to think that your journey isn't good enough to talk about. The benefits of sharing our scars is that it maintains humility, it refreshes passion, and it creates an atmosphere of freedom. The greatest metaphor that I love when I look at a house is for you to realize this room is the hospital waiting room. I have the privilege to be part of the nursing staff, and God is the great physician. So imagine you're here in the waiting room reading your little magazine, staring at those TVs that only show subtitles and never have the volume up, and you're there. And then, you know, one of the nurses comes from behind reception and says, um, hello, uh, the doctor would see you now. And you know good and well you're terminally ill and you need what the great physician has, but you're too afraid to stand up and have your appointment because in a hospital waiting room, no one wants to admit they're sick. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine being in a room crafted for healing and being in that room and being afraid to meet the healer. We would call that insanity. I call that every time Pastor Mark does an altar call and you know you need Jesus and you know you need an encounter and you stay nailed to your seat. Was that too offensive? Just send all complaints to joe.fanel at <laughs> And where do we hide our scars? In church, in the workplace, in schools and universities? We do this everywhere. See, here's my question, a little evangelism tip. You don't need to walk around with like a big coffee table-sized Bible and two liters of extra virgin olive oil everywhere you go to be a good evangelist for Christ. You don't need to do that. But here's my question. Raise your hand if you live somewhere and you have neighbors. Awesome, hands down. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand for this, but it'd be an interesting additional survey this evening. There's a house to your left. There might be a house to your right. Maybe there's a house behind you with that annoying dog. Maybe there's a house in front of you, and maybe there's two houses at a diagonal, or maybe you live in an apartment or a townhouse or a duplex or whatever. See, again, you don't gotta try to go get everyone saved you meet, but here's the question. Do your neighbors, A, know your name, B, do they at least know what God you believe in and what church you go to? If that's all you did, that would be revival. Because when your neighbors got a gun in their mouth about to blow their heads off, do they even know that hope is next door? If that's too graphic for you, I'll tell you a situation that happened to me personally. My neighbor's house next door to me caught on fire. 
and I was so busy working at church, doing the work of the gospel. I'm watching their house burn and I didn't even know their name. And that's when it dawned on me that maybe I got this thing wrong. And I made a vow to myself that day, watching a house on fire. That was my next door neighbor as all the neighbors came out and we're just staring there watching it burn. Yes, someone called triple zero. Yes, the fire department came. Yes, you know, they, they, they saved it from irreparable damage. Like, yeah, it ended well. But we all stood there gobsmacked because none of us knew the neighbor's name. Didn't even know who to call to make sure no one was in the house. Luckily, it was just some oatmeal that had been left on. But imagine had it been something else. I'm so busy doing the work of the Lord, being a pastor, and I don't even know my own dang neighbor. Do your neighbors know that hope is next door? Do they know that you serve the one and only living God? Or is it just little bits of those and a little bit of these and a little bit of that. One area I wanted to touch on that I want to challenge this room, especially I want to speak to our parents for a second. Moms and dads, I need you to share your scars with your children. Some of you are banging your head against the wall trying to figure out how to reach your kid. And you've never actually shared the bigness of what God has done in your life to your child. Because if we don't share our scars with our children, they are doomed to recreate them themselves. I was 27 years old, had two kids at the time. And I was visiting LA to go see my mom who wasn't doing well. And me and my dad were at a diner just talking, having some food. And I don't even know how we got on the conversation, but at that diner was the first time in my life my Christian stepdad, who up until that point was perfect. He was so holy. This dude had all his teeth, including his wisdoms. They were perfectly straight, never had braces, didn't wear deodorant, didn't smell like this dude. I was waiting for Agent J and Agent K to pull up and just tell me that he was an alien. Like, this guy in my 16-year-old hormone-filled, struggling with porn, addicted to everything self, I looked at my Christian in ministry stepfather and thought he was so holy and so perfect and I was so a not and I was so ashamed and I was so everything he wasn't. And because of that, I began to believe a lie that I could never speak to him and I distanced and I pushed him away. And it turns out at 27, nine years later, sorry, 11 years later, he had done all the same things I had done and more. And I remember sitting there and I was like, Dad, where was this when I was 16? Moms and dads, if you have not yet, I need you to share your scars with your children. A scar is healing that has left a mark 
resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. How will your kids understand the reality of God if they don't know the reality of what God has done in you? But just to clarify a couple, a few qualifiers here. One, injury and surgery leave a scar. What do I mean? Well, yeah, part of my testimony is that I was in a rehab at 19 and went through horrible things and abuse and molestation and daddy issues and a broken home and a whole lot of crazy stuff. And yes, I share my testimony and I do things, but the point is we've kind of believed this lie in the body of Christ that you need some hectic testimony like me in order to actually share the truth of the gospel. And people have had the audacity to believe that you don't have a big enough story or that you haven't lived or that you haven't done enough. Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. My story is the minority and the world actually needs more of everyone else's story than they need of mine. Let me give you some statistics here. According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, 20% deal with headaches. This is of Australia, 20% of Australians deal with chronic headaches. 16% have back problems. 20% have dealt with mental illness. 33% have dealt with loneliness pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, 54%. 80% of Australians have dealt with heartbreak. See, the greatest testimonies that we need today are people that have dealt with some of those things and that have seen God, not the hectic thing like you smoked crack for 20 years and God saved you. But like those, those are cool stories. But someone actually needs to know that you, you, you were in pain and God actually healed, healed your back miraculously. Someone needs to know that there actually can be freedom from the mental illness that they're dealing with right now. Some of the greatest testimonies that the world needs today emerge, church, is that you were lonely and that you walked into this house and you felt welcomed and you felt loved. Some of the greatest testimonies the world needs today is that you just walked into a place and you felt the presence of God. That is a testimony the world needs, that you've seen God's provision, that he frees you from depression. One of the greatest testimonies this world needs needs is that you can work a regular everyday job and have a sense of purpose that is bigger than this world, that you can realize that you are in it but not of it, that there is a greater thing to life than what we see, than the check we have, than the superannuation, than the dog, the house, the mortgage. There has got to be something more. And if you are one of the few blessed, privileged people that have found that that is a story worth sharing and what I mean by injury and surgery is what if you just walked in and you thought isolation was life and then you joined a connect and you got plugged in at Emerge and you found family? That's a, that's a scar because God healed your heart. What if in this house you went to that Bible study in Redcliffe and you learned how to walk with God. That's a scar where God actually helped your walk get a little bit better and a little bit stronger. What if in this house you heard a word that changed the way you thought about the gospel? That's a scar because you got a little brain surgery as the truth of God came alive into you. What am I saying? In this room right now, every single person has marks that are signed of healing and you've got a story to tell. Your story is more valuable than you think, and I can't wait for the generation that grows up knowing nothing but God's goodness. 
That's a testimony, a room of people that know that God is a healer, a room full of people that know power, that know his voice. See, King Solomon, remember, tripled his dad's kingdom. And Solomon never had to fight a single battle his dad had to fight. Solomon, by revelation, did more than his father ever did with bloodshed. That is the generation we need. Not more stories like mine, more stories like yours. Come on, can I get an amen tonight? Am I, am I talking to anybody? Two more qualifiers. Number one, share your scars to patients, definitely, but share your wounds to doctors. We got too many people that are vocal about their offenses and their bitterness to the wrong people. You've never shared your testimony, but Lord knows you've complained about the church publicly. Share your scars. Share the healing that God has done to patients. If you've got wounds, things that are not dealt with yet, share those with doctors. Talk to pastors, talk to people. Let's go on a journey of healing. This is a healthy church that has many resources and avenues for you to get the healing you need so that that wound can become a scar. Let me, I just had to qualify that one. And as I close, this whole message was really born from one question I had while reading the Bible one day. Why did a perfect Jesus choose to keep a damaged body? Like, he gave blind people their sight back. Lame people walked. Paralyzed people couldn't pick up mats. Surely he couldn't just go spit in a hole and boom, it's gone. So why did a perfect and holy God resurrect and hold on to a damaged body? Does anybody know? I'm so glad you asked. Because in John chapter 20, verse 24, it says, but Thomas, everyone say Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And the, uh, the other disciples told him, we've seen the master. But Tom's like, I don't care. Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. And eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them and Jesus came through the locked doors. We're talking teleportation, guys. And he says, peace. Then he looks at Thomas and says, take your creepy little finger and examine my, I know you wanna just stick it in the hole, Thomas, go ahead. Take your hand, you morbid little person, and now stick it in my side. Can you imagine Thomas like, <laughs> like this is what was going on. And finally, God's like, don't be unbelieving, believe. And Thomas said, my master, my God. See, the greatest example of being perfectly scarred was Jesus himself. But you need to realize this. Thomas's belief, look, I need you to hear this. Thomas's belief in God, Thomas's belief that Jesus had returned was not attached to teleportation. It wasn't attached to a resurrection. Thomas's belief in Jesus was attached to scars. 
and there are Thomases in your world emerge, church, that are not gonna believe your Ned Flanders. Hey, hallelujah, the Lord is good, isn't he? Hey, highly ho, good morning, neighbor. That's not what they need. They already think we're so squeaky clean and out of touch anyways. But we need, come on, stand to your feet right now. We're about to get mobilized right now. We're gonna mobilize this room right now because shame is about to break off of this place. 10 men got healed, only one returned. But tonight, what is about to happen is that in this house, we're gonna break shame off of this place. Moms and dads, you're going to have chats with your kid that you never thought you were going to have because somehow you thought, well, if I really tell them what I need, isn't that going to just justify? No, no, no. They need to know that you are a bridge, that you went through what they went through in your world, your coworkers, your colleagues, your fellow classmates. They are about to hear the reality of what God has done in your life because you look at your neighbor next to you. Look at him right now and just say, you are perfectly scarred. You are perfectly scarred. I saw my bro, I saw, I saw you rubbed your elbow, bro. I saw, I love it, I love it. See, I, I, lo I love the journey. I love the redemption story. It, it was a redemption arc that we just saw. You know, you shattered that bad boy a year ago. And then you got back on the basketball court this year, perfectly scarred for the glow. Come on, make some noise for my bro right here, hear me. That's a story. And it's healing that has left a mark. Matter of fact, just, bro, come here. Come here. Tasmania in the house. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, baby. Let's go. See, just do me a favor. Just, just come here. Just actually just hop up here. Come on, ready? There we go. And I need, I, I, this, is, this, is a, this is a prophetic moment. Let me see, let me see the arm. So right here. This is healing that has left a mark. But the cool thing about scar tissue is it's a little tougher than what happened before. And I release an anointing on you right now in the name of Jesus that God is about to use your story. He's gonna use your journey. He's gonna use the things that God has brought you through. He's gonna use the journey that God has, come on, come on right now, I receive it. Come on, I speak it over your lovely wife over there in Jesus' name. I declare a hunger, I declare a fire. See, God has been waiting for you to get proud of the scars. He's been waiting for you to get proud of the scars. He's been waiting for you to realize that you are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. And I release a testimony, I release a fire, I release a journey, I release the leader, the husband, the father that God has called you to be. And I declare right now in Jesus' name that you are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. But come on. But he is symbolically representing this is every one of us in here tonight. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Your scars are beautiful. And there is someone out there that is gonna die and go to hell unless they realize that you were broken just like they were. You've got a story to tell. You've got a testimony to release. 
It sucked in the moment. But watch what God is about to do through your journey. So hear me right now. Here's what I need. If you want a fresh fire and if you want a fresh passion, if you want, if you want the courage to begin to share the reality of what God has done in your world, come forward right now. Come forward right now.